This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. This is episode 487. It's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Robin Gant, CFO of Northwest Pipe. Have you ever been driving along and suddenly large pipes appear all along the side of the road? We're talking 5 feet in diameter, 10 feet in diameter, 14 feet in diameter. Giant pipes. Well, you've entered the world of Robin Gant and Northwest Pipe where municipalities tackling large infrastructure projects are very often the customer of choice. What was Robin's background and what were the circumstances that allowed her to advance into the CFO office of such a unique manufacturer? What are the metrics that are top of mind for her today when it comes to manufacturing pipe? Plus, on today's episode, you'll find the answer to the question, how do finance leaders build trust? Now, I didn't ask Robin that specific question, but you'll find the answer in every one of her responses. Our discussion begins after these words from our sponsor. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful.com at planful.com.
We're speaking to Robin Gantz, CFO of Northwest Pipe Company. Now, Northwest Pipe is the largest manufacturer of engineered steel pipe water systems in North America. Robin, welcome. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's, it's nice to have you with us. I don't believe we've had a company quite like this one in, in quite some time. So we're looking forward to learning more about how it operates and what its priorities are. Uh, but first, let's find out a little bit about you, Robin, and ask you to look back for us. Uh, as always, this is where we begin. And, and fill us in a little bit about those experiences you believe uh, help prepare you to be a, a finance leader. my CPA. I graduated college in Cleveland and moved to Detroit. I couldn't get an interview with any of the then big five firms, and all the regional firms wanted prior experience. I was hired at Tickles Webster Engineers, which is a civil engineering firm in the Detroit area, as a staff accountant. Uh, during my time there, I passed the CPA exam and started interviewing with public accounting firms. I was finally hired at Coopers and Library, which became PricewaterhouseCoopers while I was there and finally obtained the requisite experience to earn my CPA. Um, that really, I think, led to, it provided a really good background and uh, the necessary skills and experience to help as I went further down the road. Uh, the next milestone was becoming a business manager. I left PwC to work at Oregon Steel Mills. I held several positions before becoming business manager. I was located at one of our manufacturing facilities, and I had to work very closely with operations and sales. I was responsible for accounting, IT, purchasing, environmental. I really felt like I learned about the business and the industry while I was there. Uh, a lot of times when you're in finance, you can get pretty isolated from the business side, um, where it's, you could be making anything. You could be making widgets, and it really doesn't impact what you do. This was the complete opposite, and I, I just really loved it. Um, probably the only position at Oregon Steel that could alert me away from business manager was corporate controller, and that's what I moved on to. Uh, at the time, the corporate controller was an executive officer position. Uh, Oregon Steel is a public company. It was relatively new in the Fox era. It was the first time I was an officer. I started getting exposure to board members working with banks, and that really, I feel, just solidified what I needed in order to then take the steps to becoming a CFO. Was there any hesitation? Was it, was it uh, an easy decision? Um, or are you telling us that despite it being the controllership, it was still tough? It was a hard decision. Actually, the, uh, the CFO time had to talk me into it. <laughs> so um, I'm really grateful in retrospect. It really was the right move. And... Um, he really helped me a lot in making that decision, and it, like I said, it was the right thing. Did you feel like it was going to be more narrow? Did you feel like it was back to just accounting? What was it that was, what was the hesitation? I was worried about losing track of the business, of going back into that, that ivory tower of a corporate office that a lot of people have the, the hopefully misconception about, um, and being away from the business, being away from the excitement, the day-to-day. And what I learned was that it doesn't have to be that way. You, you can make it that way and absolutely get completely separated from the business. 
but if you're determined to be a part of it, you will be. You know, and, and I want to point out, you have built uh, your career, as many uh, finance leaders have, in, in, a, in a unique industry, my, my way of looking at it, in the steel industry, and you've been with three different steel-oriented companies or steel manufacturing companies. How would you classify them? Yes, the um, Oregon Steel was definitely steel and steel pipe. Uh, Everest Group uh, was more of the same. They acquired Oregon Steel. Um, they had a lot of other products within the international of Everest, but in North America, generally steel and steel pipe, and now I'm in steel pipe. Uh, I, I, well, there, there's a lot I'd like, love to know about your industry, but what is generally when your peers from other industries consult you, what surprises you about their reaction to, the, to you being in steel today? What, what is it that they, uh, and I'm wondering sometimes maybe they're a little naive about the industry. What, what's the general misunderstanding about the steel industry today, if I was to ask that question? Does anything come to mind? I, I think the idea of it being a, a dirty, a dirty, nasty little industry, um, and I don't know if that's left over from you know, before environmental regulations from maybe over 100 years ago or things like that, they also think that it's dangerous. Um, and it, it really isn't. Um, there, there are a lot of regulations, and a lot of companies, including the ones I've done with, have always strived to be not just meet the standard but exceed the standard. So I, I think that that's surprising to people. So let, let's find out a little bit about Northwest Pipe, and then I want to uh, – step back and ask you about when you first joined them. But let's let's find out about its offerings and this type of business. What, what are they? What, what are their uh, customers? Who are their customers and what are they buying? So as you stated at, um, at the top, we are the largest manufacturer of engineered welded steel pipe water systems in North America. We're a microcap company. We trade on the NASDAQ stock exchange. Our product is from 2 feet to 13 feet in diameter. And it is intended for pressure pipe specifications. Generally, our product moves water from a raw water source to a water treatment facility. Every project is different. We fabricate elbows, T-joints, Y-joints. Uh, we'll place manholes with little access tubes to the manhole from the pipe, where, wherever it's directed. We have a wide range of coatings and linings, including cement mortar, polyurethane, epoxies, and polyethylene tape. Our market is relatively small and niche. We, we now have about half the market share after our acquisition of Amaron Water Transmission Group in July of last year. We're the only manufacturer with a nationwide footprint, and that enables us to supply our pro pipe product throughout the United States and Canada. Our customers are generally general contractors, so we are a subcontractor on the job, and the ultimate customer is a municipality or a water board, and they're the owners of it, and we will supply the pipe. Okay, In interesting. So you arrive there, and what is the opportunity you see for yourself? Are you going to realize uh, a part of the CFO role that you haven't previously played before? What What is your – what's attracting you to Northwest Pipe? Well, so I had been the, the CFO at North American Operations for Everest Group, um, and while Everest Group internationally was a public company, the North American operations were a subsidiary. So this was a chance to be a CFO at, um, uh, of a whole company, and in this case, a public company. So there was a lot 
uh, broader base. Investor relations was very new to me, uh, so I had to learn how to do that. Um, I think it was, once again, getting my arms around a whole company again and making all the decisions in terms of financing, working with very closely with the CEO on strategy. Um, and it wasn't a strategy that we then had to go to another corporate parent to go through. It was once we developed that strategy, we did it. We executed. And that was very appealing to me. So tell us about your first when you first arrived at Northwest. Um, what was the – were you immediately uh, stepping into the CFO office, or how did you make this transition? I, I was uh, assistant to the CEO at that time. There was a CFO with the company. The Northwest Pipe was going through a really massive restatement issue with the financial statements. Uh, we weren't current. We had to ultimately file a year's worth of financial reporting on one day. And so I came in to help with that. And then uh, a couple months later, I was the then CFO, moved on to look at some other opportunities, and I became CFO. So when the role does become yours, uh, did you, did you want to reorganize finance? Did you want to structure things differently? What would you share with us? Yes, we did need to reorganize. Um, we also had the issue of, when I came in there, the company had just gone through a lot of turmoil, particularly in the finance function. So we had folks who were pretty exhausted um, and so had to deal with that, restructure, look at how we wanted the flow of work to go. Uh, we increased the responsibilities of the corporate controller, and we added several professional accountants, um, be that MBAs, CPAs, CMAs, but we really needed to add that professional quality to the department. So we added positions, restructured, and did what we had to to make sure something like that never happened again. Okay. Well, let's jump to present day and learn what are the top-of-mind metrics uh, for you uh, in this, this industry. I would say the three were cash position, job estimates, and backlog. First, you know, you look at the cash position. We have a very heavy working capital intensive business with a long cash flow cycle. Um, as I said, the ultimate customer is a municipality or a water board, and anyone who deals with government knows that, you know, you'll get paid, but sometimes it's quite a while. We're trying to change some of those dynamics, but uh, there were changes made in the industry long before I joined it, and so it's been a long process to tighten up that. Uh, that cash flow cycle. So watching our cash position and borrowing availability is, is very important. Uh, the next metric I would say would be job estimates. Uh, our pipe is built to a specification, and we track and account by the individual job. Having a good estimate is critical to ensuring that we did it properly up front, and that, of course, flows all the way through the system. If we don't estimate prob properly, we can have a real disaster on our hands. Happily, <laughs> We do have a really good estimating function. Um, I guess a third metric would be backlog, which is the best indication we have for outsiders, such as shareholders, third-party partners, uh, to determine the strength of our business in the future. Since you've been there, have you uh, incorporated different ways to measure the business? Uh, is there a certain metric, perhaps, that 
the company hadn't been using that you've sort of embraced or raised the profile of? Mm -hmm. I, I think the cash position, as basic as it sounds, is uh, something that we really prioritize to, to the organization. So uh, not just outside, but very heavily inside, uh, how important it was to, at the time we had a lot more debt, bringing that down and improving where we were. We, the company was refinancing almost every year, uh, and we really stopped that. Um, and that took a lot of concentration on, on cash. So looking at collections, inventory turns, a lot of that, uh, that's all baked into cash position, of course, and really got the entire organization to focus on that. seems like during your tenure, it's gotten, things have gotten back on track. Um, I'm curious, just what we were just describing, you, you just said that you had to make the organization aware of the challenge with cash. Likewise, whatever uh, steps needed to be taken Finance is playing that role of sort of exposing uh, how the company is getting back on track, helping uh, the workforce sort of march in step, and along the way, helping improve morale by revealing uh, the progress that's being made. Am I, uh, is this too flowery a, uh, a summation maybe, or what would you, what would you, how would you react to my illustration? No, I would, I would say that that's definitely true. Um, if, if the financial house isn't in order, that creates a lot of angst. It creates uncertainty, uh, possibly increases different tasks that are asked of folks outside of the finance function. If you have auditors coming through all the time, whether they're bank auditors for a deal or just your financial statement auditors, it's disruptive to the organization. And when I came in, I said, you know, what is it that we do here? We produce and sell pipes. We do not make financial statements. That's not what we do. So we need to concentrate on what's important. And by removing that noise, really helps everybody focus. And let's face it, a lot of that just isn't as much fun. So uh, eliminating that made it uh, a lot more interesting to people and made it a lot more fun environment. At the same time, uh, miscommunication, or as you mentioned, the auditors, there are so many disruptive factors, some of them external, some of them internal possibly, that you as a finance leader uh, needed to perhaps take over the communication of, or let's talk about this in a different fashion. Let's, let's, not, let's stop talking about this and start talking about, you know, what's been solved already. Uh, is this the environment you, you, you sense you were operating in? Uh, well, we came in and wanted to make things more transparent to people. Um, being a public company, that makes it a little easier. Uh, being able to at least say, you know, quarterly, here's, here's certain things. But being a lot more open, I also believe in simplifying things. Um, there's no need to make everything overly complicated. Um, you know, when you just look at it as a business in, in some ways, while yeah, there's definitely some complicating factors to how we do, but at the end of the day, it's pipes. You know, we, we don't need to have this elaborate accounting system, this elaborate finance system, this elaborate terms, um, at least anything more than the accounting standards haven't already given us. Um, just simplify. Here's what we're doing. We have complicated procedures. Uh, not necessary. Um, it also usually is the stuff that breaks first. So just simplify and make it easier. And a lot of that is communication. Um, 
make sure that anyone feels that they can ask a question of me, of any of my team. Uh, make sure that everyone else in senior management feels that they can come to me with any questions and encourage them to pass it along if needed in, in their subsequent town hall meetings and, and stuff like that. You mentioned uh, you had to begin dealing with shareholders, and perhaps you hadn't had those earnings calls and, and what have you. How did you get that experience? Uh, how did you move into that world? Um, what did you have to do to uh, – to, uh, you know, to get, get your skill set where it needed to be quickly. Well, at the time, the, the CEO at the time had also never done them. So we pretty much just jumped in the, the deep end. Uh, I listened to some, of course, um, as a shareholder as well as in uh, prior experiences. And we looked at some things the company had done before we were in a role, and we just did it. Um, I would say that the calls now are a lot better than they were <laughs> at first. Uh, so there's definitely been some learning on the job. Um, but it, it's been really interesting. Um, I tried to look at it as, as I am a shareholder, but what do I want to know as a shareholder? What is it that I find interesting and important? And that's helped me. Is there any rules of thumb for those CFOs who uh, are about to take a similar uh, path, having not had that experience in the past or about to jump into the, the cockpit, um, what would you <laughs> and, and any, any, any words of advice? I, I would say understand the business. Um, you know, whoever you're talking to doesn't understand it as well as you, but, but they can tell when you don't understand it. So it, it's very tough. So someone coming brand new into a company, that's very tough them to do if, they, if they've never been in that industry, but try to understand it as best as possible. Talk to the operators and sales. Understand what what impacts your business. You know, something is like weather. Um, does that impact it? Because someone will hear that there's a hurricane in part of the country where you have operations. They're going to want to know how that impacts you, and you're going to need to understand what that means, what that could mean. So I would encourage them to make sure that they understand the business. And really working with those other parts of, of the company are very helpful there. I, I think you, you mentioned it was only last summer that uh, the company did a fairly sizable acquisition. What, uh, has there been a number of them along the way? And uh, t tell us a little bit about, about that part of your, your world. It's, it's only the second I've done at Northwest Pipe. This one was, it was pretty significant. It was um, pulling in uh, a couple of companies that had been a competitor. So that was really um, a good situation for us. Uh, clearly, it was a good transaction. We recorded a fairly significant bargain purchase gain, which is something I had never dealt with before in my career. I've always dealt with goodwill on the other side. So it was a unique transaction from that perspective. Uh, they, the plants we acquired are in almost the exact same market space. So it was also interesting that I didn't feel like I had to learn a whole different market dynamics or, or anything like that. Uh, so from my viewpoint, it was a no-brainer transaction, which also is unique <laughs> for me. <laughs> There's always uh, some concern, but for me, I was gung-ho on this transaction from, from the moment it came up as a possibility. The challenge with these types of transactions, very often we'll hear from a finance leader, oh, we, we had difficulty with the two cultures coming together. 
Um, while there's probably a culture's aspect here, uh, I just don't think that's probably the, the challenge in, in completing these types of acquisitions, the primary challenge, let me say. What, uh, what would you tell us? What, what's sort of the primary challenge of, of these types of acquisitions? Well, this particular one, um, they were owned by a much significantly larger company. So we had to carve them out of the old company and bring them in. And carve-outs are very difficult, and, that's, and it's very difficult on financial finance teams having to completely replace the, the software that they're using. The old company was on Oracle, we're on SAP. Just something like that is a lot of work. Um, the way they accounted for revenue was completely different. So we really have to go in and, and completely change process and procedures for a company that really was just a rounding error to the, the, the former company they were a part of. And for us, they're much more significant and a bigger part. So what they do is important, and errors are very important to us. We don't we don't want those errors and mistakes. So it's it's been a challenge, but they're a great group of employees working really hard, and um, certainly not going to say it's been easy, but it's moving along quite nicely. Don't go anywhere. We're about to ask CFO Robin Gant for a finance strategic moment right after this message. We'll be back. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Okay. Well, uh, we always like to ask for what we refer to as a finance strategic moment. I have little doubt you've had many of these along the way. It doesn't have to be uh, while you're at Northwest Pipe. It could be earlier in your career, but maybe it is. Uh, does anything come to mind when I ask for a finance strategic moment? Yeah, I, I do have a story from my Oregon Steel days. Uh, we had several bonus programs, and they were just not working. And these were programs for um, for all the employees. So, you know, everyone throughout the organization. Uh, we needed a program that was transparent. It was tied to positive and controllable results. And it needed to be simple. Uh, the profit participation plan, which referred to as the PP plan, it was based, ultimately we came up with it was based on a percentage of operating income that was then distributed to the employees. We have an information campaign to explain the program. I went to several department staff meetings throughout the organization to explain it. Uh, we had a couple quarters of payouts and things were going pretty well, but I actually didn't realize how well. I was in the break room preparing my lunch one day and I overheard this conversation between a couple of staff people from two different departments. One staff member was questioning the other on whether a recent, a recent job posting to add a position in that department was necessary because the one guy said, that reduces our PP if you add costs. 
the conversation was, it was respectful. You know, the employee really just wanted to be sure that the additional cost was truly in the best interest of the company. It was a very direct correlation between the company doing well and an employee benefiting. Um, I heard several other convers similar conversations over the years, and when I joined Northwest Pipe Company, we implemented a very similar plan for exactly that reason, because we really felt like it encouraged appropriate behavior. How interesting, and it's an interesting conversation for employees to have. But it is very simplistic. I mean, as I said, I, I believe in simple. And when you're dealing with employees who, you know, whatever they're manufacturing and all of that, they don't need a really complicated system. It's if you do these things which cause our income to grow, you will benefit. And here's exactly how, and I can show you. Um, that's, that's something everyone can understand, and it has them concentrating on what's important, how they can cut costs in their day-to-day -day jobs. Great, great example. Thank you. Uh, as we go to the mentoring round, we always begin with a question that's intended to inspire and uh, by asking you, what's exciting you today about finance and business? I would have to say it's, it's growing inclusiveness. Um, there's a lot more acknowledgement of the need for diversity of all types and at all levels. Uh, you start with gender and race, but even moving beyond that, you, know, you need people of all age groups, backgrounds, experience levels, etc. in addition to that gender and race. Um, I, I have seen examples of limited diversity, which in my opinion led to stunted growth, you know, and I've thought it in my past. Uh, seeing more companies embrace diversity is, is really wonderful, and I do think it will lead to, to better companies and better results. That first time, and it wasn't at Northwest Pipe, but that first time you walked into the CFO office, what is it that you wish someone had told you, that piece of information you wish you had before you took on the reins of CFO leadership? I, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, even pace wins the race. Uh, I guess I would tell myself, don't worry so much if you're not where you want to be. I, I graduated college without a job. Um, the first one I had at, at Giffle Webster, it, it was not where I ultimately wanted to be. Great place, but that's not what I wanted. Um, I knew where I wanted to go. I set up a plan to get there, and I executed the idea. I just needed the time and patience to get it done. Fourteen years after that summer of temporary employment, while I tried to find my first job post-graduation, I became a finance leader when Evraz appointed me their North American CFO. Part of what you're saying, I think, is that impatience, people can make bad decisions sometimes when they're impatient. I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and in, particularly in the early part of their careers when so much, there are so many unknowns, times some, some people make bad decisions. Um, right. And, and for me, the worst thing would have been giving up. You've revealed something about yourself there, but I'm wondering if there's a personal habit or routine uh, you have that you believe has in some way contributed uh, to your professional success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had... Um, this, this math teacher in, in high school, uh, Mrs. O.G. Was, was her name. Uh, she taught us to read the problem or essay portion of an exam first and then go back and start on the multiple choice questions. Uh, her, her belief was that your mind is working through the problems or essays in the background while you complete the other sections. Then when you get to those problems or essays, your mind is, al your mind is already there having an idea of how to answer it and what to, what to do. I followed that process through high school through college, 
and with the CPA exam. Uh, and it seemed to always work for me. At work, I try to learn about the issue and then step away if I can. Uh, it could mean ending a meeting, stepping away for a walk, uh, agreeing to meet again a couple of days later to discuss further. While I'm driving in my car, working out at the gym, or reading a non-business book, my mind is working through the problem. I've had a lot of aha moments uh, over the years just using this process. Is there a book you'd recommend to future finance leaders or other senior executives? Yeah, I think uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. I, I really liked that book, um, working through the process of really how to get up from mediocrity and to get past the, that's how we've always done it, to get to that, that grace. Um, I am also a history buff, though. I do like biographies and histories on companies or industries. So I would also recommend Titans, The Life of John D. Rockefeller by Ron Chernow. I think Rockefeller led a fascinating life and lived through a very interesting time for our country. And interestingly, a lot of our basic laws and regulations came about from the time Rockefeller lived. And he was probably at least partly responsible for many of them. So <laughs> I find it pretty interesting. Gee, I would have thought you would have picked a biography of Carnegie, uh, given uh, the story. <laughs> I, I actually did think about it for, for that reason. <laughs> I because I, I have read read out him. there on him recently. At least uh, I'm sure they have a few, but I, I haven't heard of one in recent history. Let's ask you our final question, uh, unfortunately, which is because uh, we've enjoyed our time. But um, over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Well, as, as we've mentioned, we're in the process of integrating the Amaran Water Transmission Group that we acquired a few months ago. We really need to complete the integration and get ready for future acquisitions. We, we need to grow our company, and the best way to do that is through acquisition. Um, our as I said, we're in a kind of a small niche market. We already own about half of it. We're not going to grow within this space. So the way to grow is going to be through um, through other industries, um, most likely adjacent, but in the water space. So we've determined the types of businesses we're interested in and the characteristics of those businesses. Uh, we're in the process of identifying potential targets. And uh, next we'll have to meet with some of these companies and start some initial due diligence where appropriate. Robin Dan, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thank you, Jack. I really appreciate it. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter, featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.